Welcome to MCS Pentecast, Pentecostal podcast about theology and life in the Spirit, featuring both scholars and practitioners. MCS Pentecasts are produced by Masters College and Seminary in Ontario, Canada. I'm Van Johnson, Dean of Masters Pentecostal Seminary. Well, welcome, everybody. It is so good to be with you today, and uh, we are excited to be having another conversation about how to lead well during COVID. And uh, I'm going to be on the back end just helping, supporting, uh, sharing any questions or comments that we have in the chat room. If you're not in there already, jump in there. Let us know where you're watching from. But I'm going to turn it over to Jonathan, who's going to be hosting us today. Jonathan, take it away. Hey, friends. Uh, glad that you've joined us for this uh, event, this uh, moment where we're looking at preaching and teaching leading through this crisis that we're presently engaged in. And I know we're going to have people from different uh, traditions, Christian traditions, and I couldn't be happier with the two people that will be a part of this conversation. I was thinking a lot as one of the lead pastors that I've been communicating with throughout this crisis, he said at one point, he said, there's only so many care messages I can preach. And I thought, boy, isn't that true, right? Uh, It's probably an appropriate first response as we all scramble to make church work and we're no longer in physical community and there's lots of anxiety that people are experiencing. So there were probably appropriate initial messages. But I couldn't help but think of a moment when my boys were much younger and I was walking them to school and we just had a habit of always praying protection over them, protection over them, protection over them. And just it hit me in a moment, probably God, uh, where I realized that that's a really incomplete message I'm giving them. It's one to be afraid. It's one that keeps everything about safety. And while praying for protection is not wrong and praying for safety is, is not a wrong thing, I realize it's very incomplete because I wasn't praying about their boldness, their witness, uh, their ability to be salt and light in that school setting. And I, I, I feel like we're in a really unique moment as pastors, preachers, and teachers that, that our messaging is very important. And so that kind of led to a moment where I reached out to the two people that will be a part of our conversation today. Because I just thought, uh, first off, I have so much respect for both of them. Uh, communicators, but uh, theologians, people that I think are thinking in ways that maybe as pastors, you may not have the luxury. If you're like me, there's so many things coming at you right now. And we'll end our time just with a a moment to pray for you. But I want to introduce our speakers. They may be familiar to most of you, if not all of you, uh, before we jump into uh, some of the questions and some of the ability to respond uh, to this crisis through preaching and teaching. Uh, If you haven't already, jump into the chat room, just identify yourself, tell us where you're watching from. Uh, Matt's gonna be curating questions. This is a great opportunity in the chat room. Maybe if if one of our speakers says something profound, hoping so, if they do, uh, then put it, you might wanna put it in the uh, chat room, just a comment, because what it does is kind of take your highlighter and it can be so encouraging to other people listening in as they read back the transcript of, of of our chat room. But also, too, if there are questions you have for Van or Peter, uh, that'd be a great opportunity. Jump in the chat room and and leave a comment or question there. So uh, the first one I want to introduce is Van Johnson. And uh, Dr. Van Johnson is someone that I've known for many years. I've known him longer than he's known me. 
because of his influence in our movement for over 30 years, since 1983, he's been an ordained minister with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Uh, Van is also the Dean of Master's Pentecostal Seminary. Uh, he teaches at Tyndale Seminary, uh, affiliated with Master's College and Seminary, of course. He's, he's taught out West at Western Pentecostal Bible College, Eastern Pentecostal Bible College. Uh, so he's an academic, but I've known Van more intimately, more for his practitioner side. He has served at One Church TO here, uh, Agent Corps Pentecostal Church for, for I don't know how long, Van, a lot of years, as one of the principal uh, worship leaders in our church, but also a teacher and contributor in leading and feeding uh, the people of this great congregation. And so he comes also not just as an academic, he comes as a practitioner. And then Dr. Peter Newman. Now, I've known Peter since 1988. We, we did our undergrad together. And uh, I've watched Peter just go from that undergrad level, master's, doctoral in theology that he has. Uh, and now he, is, uh, uh, he works at Master's College and Seminary as a faculty member since 2001. And he's the academic dean of the school there. I don't know if he's technically Van's boss. I, ha I have no idea how that actually works, but, but maybe not. I think you'll notice that there's probably a little bit of jockeying between the two of them. We'll, we'll probably witness that over the next few minutes together. Uh, but Peter is a brilliant mind and a great heart. And again, like Van, not just an academic, a practitioner. Uh, I know his heart for his local church in Whitby, Ontario, uh, King Street Church, and how much he loves that and supports his, the pastors there and the ministry there. But uh, he's also uh, been a practitioner for 11 years, pastoring in both Richmond Hill and Markham. So, uh, and Matt Smith, as he already started our conversation out, Matt is one of our directional leadership team members here. He's going to be in the chat room. He'll be bringing your questions to these two people over the next little while. So why don't you take a minute, just say hi, Peter, and say hi, Van. Yeah, great. Okay, so as an employee of Peter's, I'll, I'll start by saying, uh, and here is Peter. <laughs> It's already started. Uh, John, thanks so much for having us here today. And hello, everyone. So let's jump right in. Uh, we've kind of curated some questions. Maybe Matt can put them in the chat room just to get our conversation started. And so this first one, I'll look to both of you to respond. But initially, Van, if you can take the lead as the more senior person in this chat, in this conversation. And the question is this. Sometimes the way forward can be seen by looking backwards. With that in mind, how can viewing church as it is navigating this troubled waters, how can viewing it through a past lens help us today? Dan? Yeah, and uh, my thanks to John. This is a great idea. Uh, well, the church has a lot to teach us because uh, obviously the church is no stranger to crisis. I was trying to think last night whether there's any book of the Bible, let alone the New Testament, that doesn't have some kind of crisis in the background some situation right so the church has a long history of handling crisis whether it's a crisis caused by the fact that it's constituted to challenge society so there's there's blowback that comes against the church as it stands for the kingdom or just the natural crises like we're going through now that are common to humanity and i, I think and i'll keep my uh, my first answer rather short and to the point here uh i think the church's secret and what it and the tradition it hands on to us is that the church has traditionally, when it's at its best, never taken what's going on in this world too seriously. 
So for the church, it's not simply that, you know, this too will pass, but this whole world will pass. And coming from that framework, uh, you, you sort of get arm's length, I guess, in COVID, six arm's length away from a situation. And though it affects us, um, this isn't the only life we will live. In other words, it's the eschatology, it's the, uh, the belief of the church that these are the last days something good has started, and that will carry on to the return of Jesus. That gives us hope in all of this, and uh, I, I think it's our ability to say uh, we feel the pain, but there is hope beyond, and uh, during, during the next little bit, I'll probably talk more about that future aspect but as peter and i were chatting about this he said well let's not let's not forget the the present aspect of our eschatology uh, so peter <laughs> well i'll get to that present piece perhaps uh, as we go through this a little bit later but um i'm glad to hear van is is uh, sticking to the bible today uh that's refreshing and um no but i i just want to echo what uh what he's saying, the, the, the church, I think, has been able to get through so many things by grounding themselves in a in a future hope, a hope of the return of Jesus, the hope of a new creation. And uh, one thing I've noticed about that, what grounded that hope for the church, uh, I see in the New Testament is often in the preaching. There's there's often a tie, not whenever the future is mentioned to sort of saying, and th and this is guaranteed because Jesus has risen from the dead. So because Jesus has been raised, we know God has intervened in history in a radical way, and he's going to take us there too into this new creation where there's, uh, you know, the, the, the resurrection of the body and all those good things. So in other words, God's taking things somewhere, and and one day everything will be right, which means that that, that places everything we have now in a, in a framework um, that that isn't always um, uh, as, as elevated as highly as uh, sometimes we make it to be. And so early Christians saw themselves caught up in God's plan. They lived for that plan uh, and enabled them to endure all sorts of crises. Um, and then just one more thing I'll add here. I think it also allowed them to view suffering differently and, and view crises differently as it impacted them. They viewed it as participation in what God was doing in the world leading towards somewhere. Uh, they viewed it as participating in what Jesus participated in, in sort of fulfilling the, the mission of God. And so um, the, the crises was a sign to them pointing that God is not done with things yet. Things are not the way he wants yet. And uh, so that's, that's, I think, allowed them to get through. Thanks, guys. Um, you know, I, I think as church history is demonstrated, these are moments when the church has built a reputation, really. This has been moments where uh, the reality of the resurrection trumped the, uh, pardon the pun, uh, trumped the reality of the present day crisis that was in front of them. And whether it is in uh, Roman historic times, uh, how the church walked towards the mess, so to speak, in these seasons was indicative of of that faith and that theology that was rooted in, in a future hope. But here's, here's another question. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, I don't know who I should throw this to first, but how have the nature of our expectations, the expectations that we have as Christians, followers of believers influence what we are seeing and experiencing in this season. 
And what is being exposed through this in regard to the degree that we have bought into the system of this culture? I think that's a great question to uh, just ascertain where we actually are right now. So, um, Van, I guess I'll, I'll start with you again, Van, uh, and then and Peter. Um, th- this is maybe the, the, the most interesting one for me in some ways because, uh, y- you know, w- w- when you're forced to change your routines, you start thinking more about what you're doing and what you're not doing. And I've, I've just heard many people say to me as a word of encouragement, and I always accept it, well, isn't this a great time to be a believer? And I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is our natural habitat, right? When when we see things are amiss, there's hope. But and I don't stop and ask everybody what they mean. But he, here's what I'm wondering is, what is the nature of our expectation that makes us uh, so glad to be a believer right now? In other words, what outcome are we hoping for when we get through this and, and what in the world is normal <laughs> you know so this is something i've been working through a lot and i'm just wondering if sometimes what we might mean by um our expectation is no different than what my neighbor hopes for and we bring the god element in as a way of saying hey and we know we're going to get back what we had before because god is with us in other words, I don't expect anything different than what the rest of the culture does, but I've got God with me. And then I could sing that chorus. He's going to fight my battles, right? So if that's all we're doing, and and I raised that this is really interesting to me because I think our preaching and teaching needs to be really sensitive, particularly now, to what message of hope we're giving. I'll tell you why I think so much about this. Every year in my Luke course, I introduce uh, the thought of Joel Green, uh, just a brilliant Lucan scholar, who in his book on reading narrative says, if we don't know what the biblical narrative is, we're going to preach the culture's narratives. And I wonder if, and so he's got me thinking about the culture's narratives, and and we've got to be careful we just don't preach those. Like what? Well, that prosperity is at hand and it's within your reach. Just be a good person, right? Or, or the uh, the the cultural myth that uh, progress is inevitable, sort of uh, the evolutionary model on the steroids of science and technology, right? Like we'll get through this because the future is bright and pain and suffering can be marginalized, can become more and more marginalized as we go on. Because because progress is inevitable. Now, if I just think that God is helping me to do what everybody else in the culture expects in terms of let's just get back to brighter days, then I'm not sure that's really Christian hope. So I'm thinking about how to answer this one. And thanks for letting us know about this question in advance. So if I'm not preaching the culture's narratives, then what kind of narrative am I preaching, whatever text I'm going to? Um, I'm preaching the biblical narrative that we trust in God, not in stuff. I'm preaching the biblical narrative that the best is yet to come in the world to come, not this one. I'm preaching the biblical narrative that pain and suffering is the way to glory and not just a way to bypass it. And I'm preaching and teaching that I've 
but I'm confident in the future because my eschatology incorporates both what God's going to do later, but what he's already doing now. In other words, there's already signs of hope and life, you know, uh, within our church community now. So, uh, so let's, let's be sensitive uh, to what kind of hope we're giving to people and not just convey the idea that normal just means going back to what it was, you know, three or four months ago. This, this is a good time for us to think about what our expectations are. Uh, thanks, Van. You know, I think all of us who preach or teach, you know, every message, every emphasis is is an act of formation. And uh, being mindful of what we're forming in people is critical. And to that end, Peter, here's a question for you. Uh, how might the current situation help refocus our expectations, followers of Jesus, the church even, and our self-understanding as followers of Christ? Yeah, this is a good question, and I appreciate Van's comments here uh, concerning cultural narrative and our, our preaching. Uh, I think that the present crisis has helped remind me that our expectations can be mistaken. Um, our our hopes, our dreams, our anticipations for the future, which can all be good things, but they might not totally align with what God uh God has in mind for us. And so a shaking actually can be a, a, a good thing because it might be intended by God to bring us towards something that's better than we can imagine here. Uh, it reminds us that things right now are not as God wants them to be. There is a not yet. And so I appreciate again, Van's pointing us to look at God's taking us somewhere. There's a plan here. It's not all simply now. Not that the now isn't important, but there's a framework to put it in. And I, I'm reminded of this. There's a Bible story with you know, John the Baptist where he has expectations about Jesus, finds himself in prison, sends his disciples to Jesus. And, and he asks them, are you the one we're, we're looking for? Are you the one? And, and Jesus doesn't say yes. And it's you know, too bad you're in prison. He doesn't answer him directly like that. He just he sort of says, well, here's what I'm doing. You know, the poor are having gospel preached to them. People are being healed. What is it, in other words, John, that you are expecting? And, and over and over, we see the disciples having expectations that are misaligned. John the Baptist has expectations misaligned. Jesus says, God's working in and through me. Like, the work of God is happening. Are you going to make me fit into your expectations, or are you going to fit yourself into mine? And, I mean, it doesn't work all that well, out that well for John the Baptist. I mean, his dreams <laughs> don't get fulfilled, but he still finds himself in God's plan. So Jesus actually asks us to shift our faith and allegiance into him to really say, look, uh, we have plans for the future, but you have the biggest dream of all. You have the biggest plan and you understand what's going on. So help me fit my life into that as opposed to me you, me fitting your God into my life. Um, and so giving our faith over to Jesus, our allegiance to him, uh, a good book on this is Scott McKnight's The King Jesus Gospel that just sort of reframes that God's taking things somewhere and we need to give ourselves to his plan. Uh, I'm reminded j just quickly here of, uh, uh, of a, a metaphor in the New Testament for the church. One of them that we don't talk about as much as body of Christ is the people of God, that this is a new way of understanding ourselves. That is an identity marker, a self-understanding marker that above my nationality, my ethnicity, above my political preferences, 
um, I belong to Jesus and his people. And it's insofar as I belong to that and have my self-understanding in that, that I will find security and I will find hope. And um, Van's comment concerning cultural narratives is very, very important. And he mentioned the idea of inevitable progress, the idea in our culture of optimism. And optimism is a good thing. You know, we hear it all the time. Disney has taught us, well, dream your dreams. Your dreams are going to come true. All these types of things. Don't worry. Things are going to get back to normal. Except what if they don't? What if they don't? And you know, Jürgen Moltmann, German theologian, years ago called the United States, and referring, I guess, to all North America, as the officially optimistic society. And he said, look, that's not actually biblical hope. Biblical hope, optimism's good, but biblical hope is the hope that all Christians hold, that one day Jesus is going to return, there'll be a new heaven, a new earth. And that makes all our other hopes trivial. It doesn't make them unimportant, but it makes us place them in that context. And when we do, that gives us actually resilience during times of crises to be able to say, look, at okay, things aren't working out as I had hoped, but my hope is actually in God's hope where he is taking things. And so I, I think some of those uh, uh, biblical narrative ideas, replacing mere optimism for biblical hope would very much help us in this, in this time. I, uh, Peter, that's uh, like fascinating. I think when we, I've been thinking a lot because I'm speaking this week on, on divine healing, which is a funny topic, but it's part of a series we're doing. And I'm th thinking about all the disappointment people have around this, you know, some who've experienced uh, something supernatural and there's an expectation of that. Uh, but also many who have been disappointed where they've been prayed and, and, and they haven't been healed. They haven't been rescued from that moment. And yet everyone that was healed, they eventually died. Basically, divine healing was pressing the pause button because it wasn't the ultimate, ultimate thing of God's fitting into God's plan of expectations of the, uh, the, the, the coming yet to be the new kingdom, the, the, the new world, the new heaven, the new earth. Uh, I know that a lot of pastors are navigating a lot of questions right now. Uh, a lot of tensions we've seen it in our weekend gatherings as people have jumped in the chat room, even their kids are wondering about some of these questions. And it's kind of like the, where is God in all of this? Uh, even did God cause all of this? And so that in mind, you know, I'm going to start with Van and then Peter, I think if you can pipe in at the back end of this question, uh, that there's a lot of questions during asked during this crisis, anywhere from where is God in all of this to this is the judgment from God what are some theological perspectives that help us to frame this as uh, communicators? This concludes part one of this Pentecast. Look for part two coming soon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of MCS Pentecast, podcast produced by Master's College and Seminary. MCS Pentecasts are available online at mcs.edu and also through iTunes Podcasts. Master's College and Seminary offers biblical, theological, and practical courses from a Pentecostal perspective at both undergrad and graduate levels. For more information on graduate courses offered through the seminary in Toronto, Canada, visit mpseminary.com. For undergrad courses at Master's College in Peterborough, please visit mcs.edu.